Welcome back to another episode of Faith on the Go podcast. This episode is from August 6, 2023, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. You might be surprised to hear a different voice this week reading our gospel and preaching the sermon. We had a guest this week, Pastor Aaron Coots. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. The first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 55. God invites Israel to a great feast at which both food and drink are free. God also promises to make an everlasting covenant with all peoples, with promises that previously had been limited to Israel. As David was a witness to the nations, these nations shall now acknowledge the ways in which God has glorified Israel. We read, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Romans chapter 9. This begins a new section in Paul's letter in which he will deal with the place of Israel in God's saving plan. He opens by highlighting how Israel's heritage and legacy include being God's children, having God's covenants, being given God's law, participating in worship of God, and receiving divine promise. We read, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages 
and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace Peace and mercy is yours in the triune God. Amen. Today's gospel story, the feeding of the 5,000, wasn't in Thomas Jefferson's Bible. You see, Thomas Jefferson was a great believer in reason and intellect, not so much in the spooky superstition. So one day he decided to take a scissors to his Bible. The story goes that Jefferson methodically went through his Bible and took out everything miraculous, everything he couldn't explain how it happened. So all he was left with were the reasonable parts of the Bible. Now, we all have our favorite stories and the parts that we wrestle with or wish weren't in the collection of the stories of our faith, but I cannot recommend Jefferson's way of doing things. Jefferson and most of the other founding fathers of the U.S. lived at the height of what, was, of what historians call the Enlightenment, the Age of Reason, where logic and reason and the scientific method were thought to be the best and only way of seeing things. So this miraculous story of taking five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding 5,000 men not to mention the women and the children that were there as well, was definitely on the chopping block. Now, as extreme as Jefferson's views and actions were, it shows that skepticism about the miracles in the Bible isn't anything new. I've heard this miracle explained away as everyone pitching in once they saw what Jesus was up to, So that it wasn't that the bread and the fish were multiplied, but that people were guilted into generosity, which may be a more reasonable explanation for what happened, but decidedly less profound and says more about humanity than it does about God. What this miracle reminds me of is the story of Exodus. After Moses leads the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, once they've escaped the clutches of the Egyptian army, the Israelites have time to sit and think about the logistics of what they've just done. They're out in the wilderness without food or water or any clear direction of what comes next. And in case we forget that the people of the Bible were living real humans, the Israelites immediately start complaining. But God listens to them, just as God heard their cries when they were in slavery in Egypt, and God provides for them, just like God provides for the people in the deserted place in today's story. Throughout their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God never leaves them, 
And God doesn't let them go hungry. God gives them quail and manna, bread from heaven, to sustain them in the wilderness. And Jesus gives bread and fish to the crowds who have followed him into the wilderness. I think the wilderness gets a bad rap sometimes. Whether we imagine the wilderness to be the untamed beauty of the boundary waters or the hot, scrubby desert of the Middle East, there's threats and danger in the wilderness. Whether it's lions or tigers or bears, oh my, or a lack of food or water, the wilderness is rarely a safe place. Logically, it's not somewhere we want to go. But time and time again throughout Scripture, we see people go out to the wilderness, out to the deserted places. And we see God meet God's people there. In Genesis, when Hagar runs away from Sarah, God sees and comforts the terrified Egyptian slave woman. God provides for the Israelites in the wilderness. God sends a raven with food for Elijah when he's in the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit is present with Jesus throughout his 40 days in the wilderness after his baptism. The wilderness, whether it's a physical or emotional place, is one of danger and discomfort. But it's also a place where we meet God, where we encounter in real and meaningful ways the presence and the abundance of God. The wilderness, the deserted places, where we don't quite know the way out, is where we can be most aware of God's presence and God's work in the world. Where we, can see, where we see scarcity and not enough, God sees an abundance. God sees and speak wor- speaks words of more than enough. Because when the meal is over and the leftovers have been gathered up, What started out as what any reasonable person would say is not enough becomes more than enough. There are 12 baskets of leftovers after the meal, after everyone has had their fill. If we're being honest, though, aren't we all at least a little bit on the side of the disciples at the beginning of the story? Wouldn't it make more sense? Wouldn't it be more reasonable and logical to let the people go to the nearest town and fend for themselves? The disciples, as they so often do, forget who they are dealing with. They think that it's all up to them to provide for the thousands of people who have gathered to heal and be heard by to hear and be healed by Jesus. The disciples forget, just as we so often do, that we follow where God leads. It's not all up to us. We are called through our baptism to respond to God's grace and love and abundance. We participate in what God is and has and will do in the world, but we don't do it alone, and we don't do it without God. We all have our part to play, The disciples are the ones who took the bread and the fish and gave them to the people gathered there. The disciples are the ones who gathered up the remnants once the meal had finished. But it was Jesus who blessed the food and who made sure everyone had enough. God does not ask us to conjure something out of nothing, but to be good stewards of what we have been given, 
to listen to where the Holy Spirit is leading and nudging us, and to step out in faith, even if it may not seem completely logical or rational. There's a part of me that wonders if Matthew left a bit out, if the disciples argued with Jesus about his plan to feed the crowd, because stepping out in faith and trust are not always easy things to do. It's difficult today, and it was difficult even for the people who saw Jesus do what Jesus does, bring the good news to those in need of it, heal the sick, release the captive. This is why we gather together each week to hear God's word and to share God's meal together. In a world that constantly tells us that there's never, ever enough, we gather to remember the abundance of God, the love and the care of God for the poor and those in need. In the face of a world telling us to look out for ourselves above all else, God reminds us that we are created for community, to care for one another. We gather for worship because we need to be told the story again and again, that in the wilderness, in the deserted places, God is there. God meets us in the places that seem to be the most God-forsaken, and God provides for us. Even in the midst of God's own grief this week, God meets us with compassion. Jesus goes to the desert, after all, to mourn the death of John the Baptist. But Jesus does not let his sorrow turn in on himself. When people come with their needs to God, Jesus gives them what they need. Healing and good news and a good meal. Where do we feel like we're out in the wilderness, in a deserted place? Where do we see others in their own wilderness? May we have ears to hear the quiet whispers of the Holy Spirit as she lets us know that there is enough, while the world shouts that there will never be enough. May we be empowered through that same Spirit to be a part of God's work in the world, being good stewards of the bread and the fish that God has given us to feed our neighbor. Amen. Thank you.